Hey friends, glad to have you back and welcome to another episode of the City Champions Podcast, proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. This particular episode of City Champions is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. Join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations all dedicated to getting things done. Besides desks and offices, Unit B offers members access to its podcasting studios and meeting spaces, as well as a kitchen, Wi-Fi, and the usual amenities, which is huge uh, because if you're anything like me, you know that working from home can get a little isolating uh, and sometimes you just need to shake things up. It's located in the historic McKinney Building on 104th Street, close to everything downtown, including the Bay LRT Station. Book a tour today at unitb.ca. This week on the podcast, I'm circling back with a group that I had on last year to talk about a great event once again coming to Edmonton, and that is the World Triathlon Series. Uh, once again, I'm joined by ITU World Triathlon Edmonton's General Manager, Stephen Bordeaux, and he brought along Lindsay Harrison, Director of Marketing and Communications. They gave me a rundown of this year's events, and more importantly, we talked about what makes Edmonton the perfect city to host such a global event alongside world-class cities like Abu Dhabi, Bermuda, Yokohama, and Lausanne, Switzerland, that is, uh, just to name a few. Huge thanks to Stephen and Lindsay for that passion and enthusiasm that they brought for sport and also for promoting the city of Edmonton. Uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with the organizers of the World Triathlon Series in Edmonton. Uh, Stephen and Lindsay, thanks for joining me, you guys. I appreciate it in our cold basement here on a hot <laughs> summer day. No problem. Um, yeah, so you guys are with the World Triathlon Series Edmonton chapter. Is that correct? That yes. is correct. I, I, in going through the, you know, talking with you guys last year, I just remember there's a, a number of different acronyms. So I just mm. want to make sure we got it all right. So why don't you run us through the acronyms, starting with the top oh, one. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, so the top, ITU. Many people know us as the ITU race mm-hmm. at Edmonton. So that's the International Triathlon Union. So it's just like... IAHF or IAAF or mm-hmm. FIFA, so on and so forth. That's the international governing body. So we sit within that umbrella of you know Olympic sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and about 10 years ago, ITU decided, I was working for ITU at the time, and we decided that ITU was not a, good enough, a strong enough brand. Mm-hmm. So we rebranded World Triathlon. Mm-hmm. And that's where WTS World Triathlon Series comes from now. Okay. So all the all the pinnacle events, there's eight of them around the world. Edmonton's only is one of them. Mm-hmm. One of only eight uh, are all dubbed that WTS. Oh, okay. Edmonton. Gotcha. So that's that's kind of why, because we've been around for twenty years. A lot of people from the beginning know us as ITU, but right. now we're WTS. Um, and so those eight that you mentioned, those are the main stops every year. Do do those change at all? Uh, they change a little bit. Yeah, there's some like Edmonton that's mm-hmm. been sort of a staple mm-hmm. event. Um, so Edmonton. Yokohama and Hamburg, Yokohama, Japan, which is, if you can call it a suburb of Tokyo, I think it has like <laughs> 8 million people oh, <laughs> as a suburb of Tokyo. Yeah. And, uh, and then Hamburg, Germany, uh, which is a port city in northern Germany, which is, I think, the fifth largest city in Europe mm-hmm. um, with about 4 or 5 million people. Mm-hmm. And those are kind of, the, we're the three stops that have been on this tour for a while. Um, and then there's another four or five stops that kind of come and go. Mm-hmm. Right, right now there's Montreal, uh, there's Abu Dhabi, there's Leeds. Um, uh, trying to think of the other ones. <laughs> Hamburg. Hamburg, uh, Bermuda. Bermuda. Uh, I think you, and Abu Dhabi. Did you say and that? And Abu Dhabi, yeah. So those yeah. kind of come and go. Um, yeah. But Edmonton is kind of renowned for being sort of one of the staple stops on the tour. Okay. And so I want to dive into all things triathlon, but also welcome our new guest. Uh, Thank you. Because uh, you're old blood from last year, Stephen. So we can, <laughs> I we can, deal, news. We can deal with you <laughs> later. Uh, so Lindsay, uh, tell us how you kind of got started with uh, triathlon. Yeah. So um, funny enough, I have been working with Stephen and Sheila and the crew in my past, in my former life mm-hmm. as lead of Edmonton events. So we attracted major events to the city. So I was involved in the bid when we went to Madrid in 2016. Mm -hmm. So I was there with the delegation to beat out Bermuda to host the 2020 Grand Final, so the Mm -hmm. World Championships. 
um, and then left Edmonton Events and then started, uh, Sheila and Steven approached me um, and started in February. So just six months in, but I feel like it's been hopefully fairly easy transition because uh, familiar with the world and um, have worked with triathlon supporting the event for many years mm -hmm. yeah what's your background in events like what what kind of set you down that path yeah well I graduated from U of A um, in kind of sport management mm -hmm. tourism and leisure management and then literally just applied for this brand new position at Edmonton tourism which was sport and cultural coordinator at the time and mm -hmm. I loved sport and so it was a position of one and was there for 15 years kind of growing that portfolio wow. so we yeah attracted major events to the city so worked closely tourism in the city kind of partnered together to bring all some of the really cool events that we've hosted over the last 15 years yeah. so that must have given you a great opportunity to meet a ton of people in Edmonton in that world and just sort of kind of grow your, your network so that when you ultimately made another jump in the career, you had all these people that you could reach out to and, and kind of connect the dots. Absolutely, yeah. Like we worked with all of the local, provincial, national, and international sport and cultural federations. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it was just the work that I had done through, like worked with Sheila and Steven over the years uh, with triathlon that kind of led to this now partnership where I'm working with them. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's been great. It was great. Yeah. And Lindsay's being a little modest. <laughs> I will I will brag for her. For I will brag for her. So so fifteen years ago, Edmonton really didn't have a major event attraction strategy. Mm -hmm. You know, we had our great festivals, we're festival city, but yeah. we weren't the event city yet. Uh, and Lindsay, through fifteen years of hard work in that role, mm -hmm. she started as her own solo yeah. person and True. then built a team around her. She was directly responsible and some would argue solely responsible, she wouldn't say that though, for bringing, you know, the World Junior Hockey Championships, oh, which Shane really? and I know each other from that. Oh, okay. And Traplon, yeah. and uh, FIBA, and yeah. FIS, and yeah. Red Bull Cashed Ice, and oh. Volleyball, and all these events that come, and what we've sort of built as a fabric of Edmonton. Damn, you have been modest. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you would, so you would have, you would have then been... Um, Edmonton's representative when it came to kind of uh, lobbying for these. Absolutely, so that's then a good word. Yeah. So then there would have been a, what a separate steering committee um, organized for each exactly. Sort of event. So yeah. So honestly, we were on the front end of things. So we would strategize and work closely with the city and our sport partners on, you know, what timing wise, mm -hmm. why is this event good for the city? Is it a core sport? So we had our strategy that we followed very closely. Um, I personally, because I had been there for 15 years, I had never been on the local organizing side of things. Mm. Um, so this has been really interesting. So yeah, there would be a bid committee and then a lot of times some of those members would form into the steering committee or executive committee and sometimes we would transition over, but there wasn't a lot of time to um, be involved with the steering committee and the organizing committee, but also try and bid on major events. Mm -hmm. So we. There usually was a bit of a separation, mm -hmm. but we would support that event from kind of that marketing promotional standpoint because we were part of Edmonton Tourism right. and trying to draw visitors into the city. Uh, and that's a big reason why they come to Edmonton is these major sporting events. So, um, yeah. Out of all those, what's what's been the most challenging event to, like one that you successfully got here, what was the most challenging to get off the ground? To get off the ground, well, Red Bull, I'd say, was the most challenging because um, it was brand new. Like, we had never hosted it before. Yeah. It was very much needed. We almost became somewhat of the organizing committee for that event. Um, and um, so I would say that one, even though people were pretty excited about it, I think it yeah. fits a lot with our demographic, that kind of winter, young city, mm -hmm. um, always ready to try something new and cool. But we put a lot of man hours into that where we kind of slid over more into that organizing side of things for Red Bull. Mm -hmm. Um, and then FIFA Women's World Cup was a big one as well, because there are so many, I mean, I think we all know FIFA, there's a lot of kind of rules and regulations on how they want things done. Okay. So even though I wasn't on the organizing side, we were still very much involved from kind of bid phase to execution of that event. Yeah. So, yeah. Which which of those events has brought you sort of the most joy to see be successful? Um, 
I would say, I mean, honestly, it might be like they picking one of your favorite have, kids, but yeah, <laughs> sometimes you gotta pick your favorite kid. <laughs> triathlon, honestly, I and I was saying to Sheila and Steven, triathlon for me, I obviously knew about it because I've been involved with it for so many years because it has such a long history in our city. Yeah, but I didn't know how much this team had done from that community perspective and all of the legacies they've created until I got onto this side. And so it was like, okay, amazing. Triathlons had the sustainability in our city from mm-hmm. a major event. Mm-hmm. But then all the other things this group has done, it just like blew my mind. So, um, and that's why I'm saying we, yeah, like I almost want us to tell that story even more because it's unbelievable. And I don't think any other local organizing committee mm-hmm. has kind of those prongs into the, the community the way triathlon does. Yeah. So that one's huge. Um, I think, well, FIFA Women's World Cup, I mean, that was... That's so global. That's, that's un- so mega, yeah, right? It's yeah. So, yeah, exactly. And and Edmonton has a way of supporting women's sport, too, which I think is um, really unique and, and really cool. So And had that long history back from 2002 when the U19 mm-hmm. Women's World Cup. And then mm-hmm. you could see there was kind of a build to now try and host the Men's World Cup in yeah. 2026. Mm-hmm. So there was always kind of a plan, which I thought was really neat. Um, yeah. So it's a really interesting time, I mean, with, with w- professional women's sports, right? You see, like, the, the women's hockey league was struggling. And, yeah. And, you know, people are on both sides saying, you know, they deserve to be supported. Do, is there money in that system? And then, of course, there was, like, the, the U.S. team. And, and I don't know if you followed that at all, but when they were beating, was it Thailand? Yeah. And they with just the kept ce- celebrating their goals. I know. And like I just can't see how anyone would be on side with that, and, and mm-hmm. it, but it's amazing that people tried to turn that into a gender, mm-hmm. um, a gender issue mm-hmm. versus just a respect in sport issue, yeah. right? Yeah. But uh, I suspect maybe it's part of some like underlying strategy to really like promote women's sports, like no news is or no press is bad press yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a strategy to get more eyes on the sport, right? Because that yeah. blew up. Everyone was talking about that yeah. for yeah. a week. Especially when they're fighting for equal pay. So I think, yeah, yeah they they probably didn't mind that mm-hmm. coverage, you know? Yeah, yeah, the exposure. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's dig into the history of triathlon in Edmonton a little bit. As you touched on, you, you, said, you found it very inspiring, Lindsay. And I, I don't know which of the two of you could speak to it best. Um, but I'll, I'll let you guys take off with that one. Sure. Definitely this guy. Oh, <laughs> he's uh, got the see, history. Were you, were you there from the beginning? I was close. Mm-hmm. So the... the um, Triathlon started in Edmonton. So the, the Edmonton International event was 1999 was the mm-hmm. first one. And I was involved in 2000 and 2001 as volunteers and then started working for the organization and so on. So uh, I could speak a little bit to the history. Um, yeah, you know Set what? the stage. It was, yeah, the, but stage. the millennium was coming. Y2K, millennium went, Y2K, Y2K was coming. going to ruin everything. Panicking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the internet was just coming around. Um, no, you know what? It's, it's really unique. Uh, and the story, how triathlon started in Edmonton, I mean, triathlon is very much associated with beaches and mm-hmm. sunshine and tropical surf and so on. And so how a northern city like Edmonton came onto it. And really it came down to the passion of a few parents whose kids got into the sport in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was, there was no events around. There was no competitions. There was no clubs to train with. There was right. no nothing. So a group of very passionate parents, Sheila Kelly being one of them, decided in 1994 that you know we need we need triathlon in this community mm-hmm. so they formed the first youth triathlon club um, they started the first um, major triathlon event they went out and bid and hosted the world or the national junior triathlon championships just so their kids could race in it to be mm-hmm. honest mm-hmm. Uh, and they ran it out of Hubble's Lake just outside Stony Plain uh, and then they biked into St. Albert of all places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they biked and then they ran around, you know, downtown St. Albert. And that was the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did such a good job. Triathlon Canada came back and said, hey, can you do this again? <laughs> and we need somebody to host the, the whole national championships right. in 98. Would you consider? And they said, ah, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, how much work could it be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, uh, the organizing committee had caught the eye of the International Federation and saying, oh, you know, this group in Edmonton is doing a really good job. You know, they've really bolstered because uh, not a lot of people realize this, but the triathlon, International Triathlon Union was based out of Canada and founded by Canadians. Oh, okay. So it's, is it our sport? 
No, it's, I think last time it, it was invented in France, wasn't it? It was. So the first World Championships was in France, okay. and that's where the, the federation was formed. But it was formed by Canadians, oh, okay. um, a group out of uh, Vancouver, North Vancouver of all places. So the office, head office for triathlon, it was one of only three Olympic sports federations whose head office was outside of Europe. And it was here in Canada, the only one in Canada. And so this local organizing group kind of caught the eye of them and said, oh, you know, they're doing a good job. Maybe they'd host, you know, an international race mm -hmm. and invite international athletes. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you guys think of that? And they said, yeah, you know, well, sure, why not? We'll do that. Mm -hmm. um, 98, we'll do one of those. They did that. And then it's like, you guys did a great job. What about a, like a world championship? Yeah. So then this was a bigger deal. This was, oh, well, wait a second here. We're a bunch of volunteers. We're parents. I don't yeah. know. Um, uh, well, maybe let's go to the city and ask. And they went to the city. And, uh, <coughs> Excuse me. You are. Bless, Bless you. you. Seasonal allergies. <laughs> and at the time, Edmonton was like, yeah, sure, why not? Sounds like a good idea. We'll bid for one of these that things. That can-do attitude that, that can -do we have. Attitude. Yeah. So they did. So 2000, they went and bid for it um, in 2001, won the, the world championships uh, for 2001. And they actually put on the first world champ first of three world championships the third one coming up in 2020 mm -hmm. with one staff person and volunteers oh, right. that's all it was the whole yeah. organizing committee which you've been involved with one of these events yeah definitely you know how much work it it's is to put on one of these right? international championships yeah. it was one full-time staff person mm -hmm. Sheila O'Kelly uh, and then volunteers from the community so Sheila's the OG in this all Sheila is yeah <laughs> so she was part of that parent group that yeah. started the first event and, um, bid for the world championships got it she was the first director uh, and then she continued, and then after that, 2001, the International Federation literally threw out the old organizer's manual and said, you, this is the now the example. Can you, can you write us a new organizer's manual on how to do an international triathlon? Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite stories is that to this day, that manual that's used by triathlons all around the world mm -hmm. was written by Edmontonians. So we just got it. We just understood we just how it should it. work and, 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 and what needed to be done. Yeah, and we just took it to a level. You know, Edmontonians, we don't do anything half-assed. Mm -hmm. And it was very much, you know, triathlons up at that point where, you know, a parking lot, a couple fences, some banners, and, right. you know, swim around that boy and then bike out on that highway <laughs> and so on and so forth. Uh, but 2001 was the first championships where they took it to a, a new level. There right. was a stadium, there was seats, there was, you know, blue carpet, mm -hmm. nice clean signage, it was closed courses, all, all that. Mm. So that became the new model. And then so Edmonton quickly became a regular stop on the World Cup series right. circuit um, up to 2007. And then Edmonton tried to hand it off to Vancouver. Vancouver did it for a year and said, nope, <laughs> no thanks. You'd think Vancouver would be like the perfect city for that. You right? would think, hey? Yeah. And it was, I was part of that group in 2008, putting on that World Championships. And, um, you know, the city just wasn't supportive of it. Hmm. It was that we had a strong organizing committee, strong sport body. But yeah. the city, you know, it was just, triathlon was almost too small oh. of a sport for them. Interesting. Uh, so they, you know, they it was a battle mm -hmm. every step of the way yeah. out there. Damn hippies. Um, damn, yeah. So that, that's only lasted a year. And then, you know, this organizing committee took a break for a couple of years. And then the ITU essentially came back and said, mm -hmm. please, we want you back on the circuit. Nice. So it came back in 2001. And yeah. then it, here we in go. 2001? Sorry, 2011. In 2011, 2011 yeah. it came back. Yeah. And then in 2013, um, the ITU came to Edmonton again and said, hey, you know what? San Diego is supposed to host the grand final world championships in 2014. Mm -hmm. But they just pulled out. Oh. Can you do it? Mm-hmm. Um, so of all the damn right we can damn right we can that's exactly <laughs> what we did in 15 months we pulled off a world championships in 2014 Jeez. and it was dubbed the best ever world championships again and then but the plan was always to go you know long term 2020-ish mm -hmm. maybe something like that we'll look for another world championship yeah um, and, and so, so world championship in that case is, is um, interchangeable with grand finale grand final yeah grand sorry final. I call it a world championships yeah. triathlon calls it the grand final yeah um, but I refer to it as world championships because yeah. people kind of get that understand. Right. they understand yeah. that more right. than the grand but final. really what it is is it's the last race in the in the series, series of races for that year right correct yeah, yeah. okay and is that one worth any more points wise than the other ones or is it just like your last chance to, to get points it's worth double the points oh it's worth double, yeah, there double you go. the points double the points double the prize money yeah uh, and then and what's unique for triathlon is that it's the only Olympic sport that holds its elite world championships with its masters world championships, mm, okay. which is one of the reasons why, and Lindsay could speak to this, why it's such an attractive event for Edmonton. Because mm -hmm. not only does it come with the elites and the television viewers and the global audience and such, but yeah. it comes with 6,000 visitors and tourists. Yeah. 
that are staying in Edmonton hotels, eating in our restaurants, shopping in our you know in our stores. Mm-hmm. So that economic impact is is really there. When you mm-hmm. say masters, is that fifty and up? Is that uh, for triathlon, it's actually it's they call them age groupers. Yeah. Um, so it's actually eighteen and up. Oh, okay. But it's you know it's amateur. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. Athletes. Yeah. Gotcha. It's um. Yeah, it's unreal. So walk us through how one of these events works, like kind of like from start to finish, like let's use this weekend's upcoming event, July 20th and 21st are the actual races, but you've got events going on the entire week. So kind of run us through like the bullet points of what happens in the schedule. Sure. Do you want to speak to that? Sure. Oh, yeah. And then you dive in if I've missed something. Just so Um, then we've got a structure for the listeners to understand, okay, how does this unfold? What are the categories? And then we can dive into more of the details. Yeah, for sure. So this year, yeah, we are doing some uh, some unique and new things uh, in lead up. So it almost is a week long uh, kind of lead up this year. So tomorrow we are having um, with some of our corporate partners and potential partners for 2020, we are doing kind of a special, we haven't done this before, we're doing a corporate ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've invited Tyler Mislachuk, who's our kind of Canadian athlete, uh, just one third, so one bronze in Montreal. Unreal. A couple weekends ago, which is great. Um, so he's flown in early. He is going to lead our corporate partners on a ride mm-hmm. um, of the bike course. Mm-hmm. So they get this exclusive ride with Tyler. It's gonna be tomorrow morning. Um, and we've we're actually- We're recording this on Monday. Right, just so people oh. know, July sixteenth. This will come right. out on Wednesday. Okay. So, so Tuesday, sorry. Tyler. So Tuesday, Tuesday <laughs> the seventeenth of July. Tyler yes. is doing his ride. Yes, thank you. And the age group athletes, we've invited them as well. So if they kind of want to have a practice of the course, they'll mm-hmm. be out as well. Um, so that's Tuesday, and then um, also on Tuesday the sixteenth, we have a kind of a free fitness uh, event down in uh, the heart of the city at Alex Dakota Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we're offering, teaming up with Girls Club DJ and are part of our Tri Fitness Challenge. Um, And then Wednesday, we are doing a bike tour. So a culinary bike tour and inviting bike clubs to come on down to the park. Mm -hmm. Um, Thursday, we are doing an open water swim. So Mm -hmm. we've got two distances and really it's for anybody, but also any of the age groupers that want to kind of test out the waters. Right. So literally, literally, yeah. And it's a nice 22 degrees today there. Uh, yeah, at Horlock Park. So they get to, yeah, jump into the lake and give it a go. And um, so that'll be in the evening on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then Friday, Party in the Park was a great success last year. So we're going to continue that on on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got Party in the Park, but part of that is this Tri Fitness Challenge. So yeah. we've invited kind of we formed this do north committee um of community kind of fitness leaders and and um just kind of influencers and passionate edmontonians to create this um try fitness challenge where we've got the latest greatest kind of fitness classes for Mm -hmm. free down Mm -hmm. at the park including the ninja warrior course um so that's that's done that's done by tim gorlay Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, I did that course uh, a couple months ago. It was set up in uh, Kingsway Mall. Yeah. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, they can come on down, try all of these great fitness activities. So that's starting at 6 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then once they've tired themselves out, head over to the beer gardens where uh, <laughs> Girls Club DJ will be spinning some music and yeah. we'll have beer gardens. Um, which other um, which other local fitness uh, leaders are going to be there so on Friday? So we've got um, Pound class which is mm-hmm. like so we actually did a um had, class yes you <laughs> take like drumsticks and it's one of those workouts where you're i'm doing movements right now but nobody can see me yeah. um yeah so it's like taiko drumming yes oh, without okay. the drum gotcha. so you've got without the big the sticks yeah. and you're pounding on the ground and you're hitting you know your own sticks and oh, you're okay. moving around and with your partner inside yeah yeah so it's um it's a lot of fun i had the chance to do one we did a little tester um, event about two months ago mm-hmm. uh, at Tim's place at Fitset, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I was surprised at how much work it actually was doing this pound yeah. exercise, and my my thighs were burning <laughs> three days afterwards from all the down and oh, up, my down and up, to the left, to the right. My <laughs> thighs were burning from pounding all day. That's not sound all that uh, we'll all that, that P- all that PG. <laughs> Um, And then we've got something (laughs) called a movement class, which is like a a kind of mix of yoga and Pilates. Pilates. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's classes that are just starting to kind of 
get popular. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, so that'll be interesting. And then races start Saturday. And one of the highlights, too, will be our Triathlon Together event. Um, that was a Simon Whitfield uh, kind of, he was the brainchild behind it. And it was, mm-hmm. that'll be on Sunday at 10 a.m., and it's to really make triathlon more inclusive and accessible. Mm. So it's like you don't need a special, you know, a special bike. You can use your mountain bike. You can do it with your family, your friends. Mm-hmm. So you just team up and do it together. So you swim together and then bike together, run together. It's mm-hmm. not timed. It's just about having fun and right. kind of. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's such a good idea because when you see professionals or even amateurs who are regular participators in a particular sport or activity you you see them kind of they know what they're doing they just they boom 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 they just one thing to the next to the next they seem so proficient and Mm -hmm. experienced in it and to the lay person that thinks oh i might want to try that it it can be super intimidating to exactly what gear do i get yeah yeah like any, you're afraid to ask a question, like you're afraid to look silly and do the wrong thing. Yeah. Like, am I supposed to bike in the water? Am I supposed to swim on the road? <laughs> what am I doing here, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that, okay, so that's a great layout of um, of the event and the weekend. So, Stephen, what makes this year's event special compared to years past? Or what's new or different or exciting to you this year? Yeah, well, I think Lindsay touched on it. Some of the, the things we're trying, some of the initiatives we're trying to get started um, this year, really building towards next year's grand final mm-hmm. and world championships. We've sort of developed a philosophy uh, in the organization that, you know, we don't want to leave legacies. We want to build them for the community. So 2019 is the official test event for next year. So okay. we're testing next year's course, next year's setup um, on a lesser scale. And some of these initiatives, I mean, so... The event next year has five days of racing. It's not just two days. Um, And all these visitors that are in from all over the world, Mm -hmm. we really want to make a week-long celebration. Mm -hmm. So next 2020 is in August. It's a week long. It's the weekend before us is the marathon, Mm -hmm. and then we have a week in between, and then our racing. And so some of these like the fitness challenge and fitness initiatives, we want to have a week long in Horlack Park. Just come on down, try different activities. You know, bike out of Horlack Park, swim in the lake, paddleboard on the lake, just yeah. really build Horlack into sort of that center of active living for a week, mm-hmm. which is really cool and exciting. Mm-hmm. And Friday night, we're trialing it this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the triathlon together, uh, which Lindsay mentioned, I'm really excited about because our event and the sport of triathlon has a bit of elitism tied to it. Okay. You know, it's it's a lot of people when you tell them, oh, I do triathlon, it's like, oh, geez, yeah. my God, you must mm-hmm. be so fit and yeah. have a really expensive bike and... You must train 20 hours a week, and I can't believe you do that. <laughs> but there's so many opportunities in triathlon where um, you don't need to be, you know, an uber fitness with a six-pack right. and, you know, tanned and... Uh, but it helps. 10, but it helps, right? it helps. Oh, yeah, it helps. <laughs> but you don't need it, right? And so Simon Whitfield, you know, after he retired from the sport um, and has kind of gotten back to more grassroots, mm-hmm. he's really sort of looked at the sport. He's like, you know what? We've become, we take ourselves way too seriously. We're assholes. Come on. <laughs> we do. He does. He says, we take ourselves way too serious as yeah. a sport now. Yeah. It's all about, you know, the time and the rules and rules, 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 and mm-hmm. the fancy equipment and all that. We need to get back to how these sports started, which mm-hmm. was just a bunch of guys and girls who was like, oh, let's go for a swim and then a bike and then a run. Yeah. I can't run for two hours anymore. My knees can't take it. Yeah. But I could do those three things for two hours yeah. and get in a great workout. Mm-hmm. So triathlon together is that. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity for Edmontonians to come down and try a triathlon. So mm-hmm. it's we will have a swim course set up, a bike course set up, a run course set up. Mm-hmm. You come down and get through it as fast, as slow. Uh, do it with your family. I'm doing it this year with my three little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to put the strap them in life jackets and I'm just going to drag them through the swing <laughs> and then we're going to hop on our bikes and I got a trailer for my five-year-old and mm-hmm. pop her on the trailer bike and yeah. we're going to bike up Grote Road and bike around the course mm-hmm. and then we're going to walk run around the course and finish. So she's getting quite the free ride. Oh yeah, she I, the young one will be. I hope when if, if you're one day no longer able to walk she does the same thing for you and straps <laughs> right, you on life jacket and puts you in the trailer. I like this plan. Yeah. <laughs> it won't be long. My knees can't take it much anymore. <laughs> But that's the, and then the, the other one that we're really excited about is, um, as part of 2020, we wanted to leave an impact locally with kids mm-hmm. around again, triathlon, showing triathlon as an opportunity. It's not this elite sport, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need to train for 10 hours a week, 10 months a year. Yeah. So we started a school triathlon program, uh, where we hired a great, uh, young guy from, uh, Guadalajara, Mexico, mm-hmm. who's a national level triathlon coach and a certified teacher. He has his teaching certificate in Alberta and we've just started sending him into schools. 
uh, and he takes over the gym class for a week, mm-hmm. and it's all about triathlon, oh, awesome. the basics of triathlon. Cool. And so you know, and it's it's all based on what's available to the kids. So some of these schools are tied to a pool, so they'll take them to the pool yeah. and bike outside. But some of these schools don't have that. I mean, the amount of kids that we've discovered through this program that don't even have bikes or don't know how to bike. Right. It's incredible. Probably yeah. 50% uh, really? of these kids on average don't yeah. know how to bike and don't have a bike. It's like one of the best things you can do as a kid. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just, and so we've started using this program to sort of introduce those concepts that, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be, biking can just be a mode of transportation. Mm-hmm. Running can just be something you do to have fun. It's running around the soccer field, like, right? And mm-hmm. it's running through... Uh, the halls it doesn't need to be as structured on a track running mm-hmm. around um so i mean some of the schools don't have a pool so literally he'll take those little scooter boards those little short boards with the little caster wheels yep. four caster wheels on it and the kids will lie on it in their stomachs and use their arms and ah, swim creative around a course in yeah. the gym yeah. uh and we started in november and i mean we're very very excited we've already put 5300 kids through this program wow in uh, you know six short months, mm-hmm. and we're going to be doing it again next year. And the goal was to put ten thousand kids through this program. So you're on track. Learn, on track. Yeah, yeah, how easy it is to swim, bike, run, and how mm-hmm. you know what the great thing could be. And the teachers have really gotten excited about it. And the reason they're really excited, which was kind of um, uh, a spinoff that we didn't really expect, was you know the teachers said you know trying to take my kids for an hour and teach them how to bike or run for an hour or even swim for an hour swim Mm -hmm. lessons is almost impossible but for them to do three activities in an hour Mm -hmm. it's easy you know they love it it's new it's it's trying different things and they've started the teachers themselves have even started coming forward and saying well next year why don't we do why can we do a winter one yeah and we'll do cross-country skiing and Mm -hmm. we'll do snow do biathlon we'll give them guns (laughs) yeah But that's really exciting. Like the teachers have sort of grabbed onto this multi-sport concept, which is really what triathlon is. Right. It's a multi-sport activity. Yeah. And that's what they've grabbed onto, which is really cool. Gym teachers must love this the week off. Just yeah. to check well, that's we're trying to think yeah. well, how it became so easy for us. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, you want to come in and teach my class yeah. and I don't With have a certified to teacher yeah. who's, you know, a, yeah. uh, you know, a national level coach, coach. in this sport. Yeah. And I just get to sit and watch. And sure, this is why there's a waiting list. I think that we've got 15 schools on the waiting list. Yeah, fall. so we're, well, like, we're already full now until Christmas. Mm-hmm. The amount of demand there is for uh, for this program, uh-huh. which is, yeah. Well, that's unreal. So you expect to see then in the next like five to 10 years kind of an uptick in triathlon participation locally, I imagine, right? That's the hope. Usually after hosting a large event like this, mm-hmm. there's usually a big uptake. Right. Um, and we've seen from hosting an event for so many years in Edmonton, we've seen so many national and international level triathletes come out of Edmonton mm-hmm. of Edmonton of all places yeah. has had more Olympic triathletes than in any other city in Canada that's mm-hmm. three three out of 16 athletes mm-hmm. uh, Olympic triathletes out of Canada have come from Edmonton and do you think that's just the triathlon community and the support of nature of it it is that's yeah. exact 100% you know by you know, between put some this in the event water. and the clubs and well, maybe something in the water as well. the lake yeah <laughs> It's safe and clean. Don't safe you and clean. Yeah, so so the, so the lake at Horlack Park, I think you guys treat the water in advance. Is that correct? So it's not swimmable year-round? It's a well, so funny enough, it's it's oh, not a swimmable not body of water. Yeah. But um, Horlack Lake, uh, over the years, has actually become quite a clean lake. Okay. Uh, and depending on the year and depending on the winter, mm-hmm. some seasons the water is clean enough oh, okay. to swim in. Yeah. Um, but it has a lot of algae and weeds in it, mm-hmm. which makes it unsightly. Uh, and athletes, you know, don't necessarily want to swim through a bunch of algae. Yeah. Even though the water's clean, they right. don't want to go through that. Yeah, so, it's slimy, it's icky. It's, exactly. Nah. So through our treatment process to remove that algae is when the water starts to deteriorate because, mm-hmm. you know, it loses oxygenation, so on and so forth. And so so we have to go in and, and treat it oh, okay. uh, to bring the water quality back up to snuff. So. Oh, okay. So, you, so what's the process in leading up to the event? You pull the algae out of there and then you have to basically, um, you have to rejuvenate it after? We do so. It's it's chlorinated, chlorinated, mm. um, just like a swimming pool yeah. uh, body of water. So once the algae is removed, then we have to get in there, mm-hmm. uh, and through chlorination process, that we treat the water, and um, we do it in we do it phased, um, you know, over five treatments, so that it's not such a large shock to the ecosystem, right? Because um, we know that's a, con- a concern from the mm-hmm. community, and the city has always said, you know, it's it is home to wildlife, mm-hmm. um, so we can't. We can't really harm that wildlife, so that's right. why it's done very gradually over a long period of time. We actually, for the event this coming weekend, we started um, 
15 days ago oh, okay with the treatments to slowly bring the water gotcha. quality up yeah it's too bad that that seems like a limiting factor like if you had a good body of water that you could always swim in you could mm-hmm. set up like a year-long triathlon course that people could just go do and practice on any time right like yeah. oh, i'm gonna go do the triathlon courses you know this coming mm-hmm. weekend yeah. yeah and i think i i think with the accidental beach and all that stuff sort of happening you see that a swimmable body of water in this city would be hugely valuable. Yeah. yeah. And very popular. Yeah. 100%. And utilized. And Horlack Lake, I mean, we we use chemical treatments because it's such a short window, but mm-hmm. we know there's technology out there now that's non-chemical related mm-hmm. that can turn these bodies of water yeah. into swimmable bodies. It's it's used in Europe and the UK mm-hmm. and um, Denmark. They have these big, large filtration systems that are essentially giant fish tank filters. Mm-hmm that you could plunk into any body of water hmm. and over a course of time it slowly cleans the water and turns That's it into wild. a swimmable lake and yeah. um, Sheila Kelly who's was sort of the founder of the triathlon and, and president has always said you know that will be her lasting legacy of this event is turning Horlack Lake into a swimmable body of water for the city I like she's it. working on it yeah. good for her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what um, I know you said the, the number of days in terms of races why, why does the grand final have five days of races is it just more people coming through or it's more people it's more races yeah. so uh, so the, the world triathlon event this year WTS has our elite races mm-hmm. and some local races and, and such but the, the grand final has elite world championships junior world championships mm. Relay World Championships. Uh, it usually has para triathlon World mm. Championships, but because 2020 is an Olympic Paralympic year, we're yeah. we're within a blackout period of Paralympics. Oh, okay. So every major games has a blackout period around it, right. where you can't host a major sporting event within your sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're too close to the Paralympics to hold the para in 2020, but usually that's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also then there's all the amateur stuff, the masters and age groupers races, right. which is sprint standard races. Yeah. And then every every LOC is encouraged to host local races as well. Right. So that's our plan in 2020 is to have races that Edmontonians can do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they don't come down and watch, but they can also participate. Right. So that's how it balloons to five days. And what's the what's the scope of, of bodies coming through? How many how many people are coming in from from internationally? How many spectators do you expect? Yeah, well, we're looking in 2014, we had 100,000 spectators over that five-day period. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we're always trying to raise the bar every mm-hmm. time. So, we our goal is 150,000 spectators over that five days. And as Stephen said, there'll be about our, um, you know, 3,500 athletes, but they bring an entourage. So, it could be right. coaches, um, friends, family. So, we're expecting about 6,000 visitors mm-hmm. descending on our city um, over that kind of week-long period. But what's really cool is 70 countries will be represented through all of the age group athletes here as well. So, um, yeah, so it's it's going to be the biggest event in Edmonton in 2020, but actually in Canada in 2020 in terms mm-hmm. of um, numbers and then broadcast. So global broadcast, 200 million viewers um, wow. tune in to over 160 countries around the world. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. That's a really big opportunity for Edmonton to showcase itself, isn't it? And I mean, you know, you guys obviously will be responsible for setting up a number of events, like all the sort of auxiliary events. But do mm-hmm. other groups kind of jump in and say, hey, like, we know you guys are hosting the triathlon. Like, you know, can we set up this beer gardens or this downtown festival or this or this or that? The other thing, like, do other groups approach you ever and kind of want to be an additional support network to that? It's getting there. Yeah. yeah, it's getting there. I'm not going to lie. It's not um, Edmonton. The The event scene is still very segregated. Mm. It's still very, you know, this is my weekend. This is mm-hmm. my audience. If, don't don't try and take my audience. Right. Right. Um, and Edmonton is, is still hasn't fully adopted sort of the, the methodology or the, the idea that, you know, events can coexist and they can happen together and they can, you know, they could work together mm-hmm. and there's synergies and efficiencies in working and share audience, so on and so forth. It's... Um, it, I mean, it's a model that's been adopted in Europe and is proving very successful. Mm-hmm. Is where you know a lot of these countries in Europe are actually taking major sporting events and purposely putting them with major cultural events right. in their communities. Yeah, absolutely. so they happen simultaneously, rather than you know three weeks apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and for 2020, we have started the conversations and we've reached out to groups like the Fringe mm-hmm. that's happening at the same time. Um, groups like Edmonton Arts Council and groups like the works and things like that through people we know um, and flying canoe and stuff 
to try and sort of say, you know, this is an opportunity. You know, we have these visitors that are here. Um, we have a television audience. We have a lot of attention coming to Edmonton. Mm -hmm. Why don't you help us showcase what right. we do as Edmonton? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you can showcase what you do. Mm -hmm. uh, and so those conversations are slowly starting. Uh, but it's not, it's definitely not a, you know, I'm not, you know, holding mm -hmm. back a crowd of people wanting to come join us. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, fair enough. Venture, yeah. Do you guys put together like an event manual that has recommendations of restaurants based on where you're staying? And, you know, because obviously 33,000 or 3,500 athletes, that's a lot of people mm -hmm. that like may never have been here before or may only mm -hmm. have come once a year, right? So they're like, well, where do I go eat? Like, what mm -hmm. do I, you know, where do I go do something that's not training or eating? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. what do you guys do for that? Yeah, like it's part of, I think, the athlete experience and the visitor experience, right? Mm -hmm. So we're always trying to make both of those. Um, we want them to basically become our ambassadors after they leave our city. Yeah, so for sure. word of mouth is huge. How did they feel when they were here? How were they treated when they were here? Um, and having come from Edmonton Tourism, that that really they've kind of got those tools that we can, and we partner with them very closely. So mm -hmm. we'll work with them and, and partners like the Downtown Business Association that have already those itineraries that mm -hmm. they can arm us with so then we can arm the visitors mm -hmm. with to say okay you know you've got free time um your partner's out racing here are some things that you can do or pre and post travel we live in such a beautiful province is mm -hmm. um and country so here's what you can do uh pre or post kind of those five or seven days so right. yeah we ensure that they get mm -hmm. all of that information in their kind of athletes package make yeah. sure we've got that posted on our website through social media mm -hmm. um that's super important especially because whole... after next year that'll be the last race of the season right because yeah. after this upcoming weekend they've got one more in uh Laos lausanne is that lausanne. Yeah. Lausanne, lausanne. In Switzerland. yeah and that's when's that one september september oh, okay so they've got like a month and a half off mm -hmm. almost right mm -hmm. but some of these races are pretty close back to back right like a week or two in between yeah, the, it's mm -hmm. it's funny how the season usually it usually gets packed in this early, yeah, like kind of April, May, June, mm -hmm. and then July and August are kind of you know there's more time between them, and then into the grand finals usually in the fall. Right. Our for 2020 it'll be in August here mm -hmm. because it's sandwiched between the Olympics and the Paralympics. Right. And it's actually on purpose. It's because the, um, almost every year there's a major games going on. Uh, so this year's the Pan American Games. Mm -hmm. So after us there's a blackout period because of the Pan American Games, so mm -hmm. ITU can't hold an international race. And those games are usually the end of July, early August. Mm -hmm. That's usually when they happen. So it's just the way the calendar's kind of been developed is that time is usually a, a dead time on mm -hmm. the calendar because these big games, Commonwealth Games and right. Pan Am Games and Euro Games and so on and so forth all happen when they're in that sort of right. that period. Do you think they're more packed at the, at the start because the athletes' bodies deteriorate throughout the course of the season or...? You definitely see in the for racing, you see bigger fields mm -hmm. at the earlier in the season because they come off fresh training all winter long, yeah. and you know they're ready feeling go. good, yeah. ready to go, and yeah. race, 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 and then yes, as the season goes on, you know things start to hurt and yeah. nagging injuries kind of crop mm -hmm. up, mm -hmm. so they can't race nearly as often. Right. If you drop, if you aren't able to race in one of the events, is your season pretty much done? Like, do you not have a shot at winning? Like how? Like I want to get into uh, sort of some of the athlete sure. mindset and mentality yeah, yeah. and the this the nitty gritty about them. Yeah, they do. Uh, it depends on the athlete. Yeah. So, um, for example, for the on the women's side, mm -hmm. um, the top the top woman in the world right now is Katie Zafaris from U.S. Okay. who's raced here in the past, and you know it's not that long of a flight. Mm -hmm. uh, she is so far ahead of all the other girls. Mm -hmm right now that she won't be in Edmonton. She doesn't need to race Edmonton. She's just opting out. She's just opting out because she's so far ahead. Wow. She can let, you know, the second place athlete win Edmonton and mm -hmm. she'd still be ahead right. going into the grand final. And she feels confident enough that, you know, she can let some of the other girls catch up. I'm surprised that you're allowed to do that. Like, mm -hmm. like you'd think that the ITU would want their athletes at every event just to promote the sport, right? It'd be like, in a tournament if you're so far ahead of other players you're like i'm just gonna like concede this game it's mm -hmm. like what the hell like we still want people <laughs> to come and watch you like yeah I yeah guess. it's a re and you know it's a reality of the sport and that's so the itu used to do a world cup series there used to be 16 of them mm -hmm. every year and you know the athletes would pick and choose because that's too many races yeah. mm -hmm. um and then in 2009 they moved to this new world triathlon series model with only eight 
mm-hmm. for that reason exactly. Mm-hmm. So that okay, top athletes, you race your eight races, away you go. Yeah. Um, and they even contracted the athletes the first couple of years mm-hmm. to make them race all the series. And then you know budgets and so on and so forth. They realized they couldn't keep doing that. Uh, and so, but triathlon, the world triathlon series is not the only triathlon entity out there. Mm-hmm. Just like in hockey, right? There's the IHF and. Mm-hmm. And there's NHL and there's KHL, so on and so forth. So a lot of these athletes also race these other series. Oh, okay. Um, that have prize money and That's pro right. purses, so on and so forth. So, That's right. and then usually, you know, to be to be carded as a national level athlete mm-hmm. for the Olympics, you got to race your national championships and a couple national series races, right. so on and so forth. So, even though there's only eight races in the big series, mm-hmm. these athletes are still racing 16, 18 races a year. Mm. Once you add all these other things together, so. Uh, and you know, and they, they accept pri- you know, they sponsorship and sponsors want them to race this race because yeah. that's their race, so on and so forth. So. Right, that makes sense. So there's a lot yeah. of uh, other external variables going on. Mm-hmm. There is, yeah. And being an endurance sport, right? You know, going hard for two hours in a triathlon yeah. takes a lot out of you. Yeah. You know, you need some recovery. You yeah. can't yeah. race every single weekend. How has the as as the technology changed in triathlon racing at all over over the years? It's kind of become popular. Is is there anything that's or is it still just, you know, shoes, bike, and, and swim trunks? <laughs> you know, I, I, I imagine the recovery and nutrition is a lot more emphasized nowadays. Yeah, I think where you see the technology is more so in exactly the recovery and the training side of things. Mm-hmm. Not so much in the racing. The equipment's the equipment. Yeah. You know, you, you in the swim, you goggles and a yeah. swim cap. You can wear a wetsuit if it's really cold water, and there's been some developments there. Mm-hmm. Bike is, you know, the bike. Um, you know they've gotten lighter and they've gotten more aerodynamic and stiffer and so on and so forth but mm-hmm. you still can't put a motor in it <laughs> and uh, and then the run is just it's your two feet right yeah. um, so but you do see a lot of those technological changes in the training mm-hmm. um, and a lot of it in the sport has been triathlons typically you know in an individual sport looked yeah. at as an individual sport and a lot of the technology that's coming in is around connecting people mm-hmm. so you know it's swift um, online it's Strava those sort of things those right. technologies which allow you to train with other people without physically being with other mm-hmm. people yeah. uh, and that's where you see a lot of the developments and have there been <clears throat> any developments in it in terms of like biometrics that people are measuring now that they didn't used to in the past things like HRV for recovery or or any of those nitty-gritty details? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know what, it's funny. There are there are new sciences that are being applied all the time um, and new testing protocols and such, but a trend right now in the sport is more getting back to getting away from that stuff yeah. and getting back to training by feel mm. and training you know, based on the day. You're waking up, you're feeling good, you're feeling great. Okay, yeah. let's go. It's going to be a hard day. Yeah. Let's give it a go. You wake up, you're not feeling so good. Okay, let's take a day off. Let's, you mm-hmm. know, let's settle a little bit. In, triathlon used to be very structured training with the you know the periodization model yep. and Arthur Lydier and all that sort of stuff where it's you know build 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 week off build right. three weeks week off build right. three weeks week off whereas now it's just a constant cycle of micro cycles like mm-hmm. it's just you know day to day almost mm-hmm. um, and they, there's no break yeah like it's no more you know an off season on season it's they're training year round yeah it's these constant little micro cycles mm-hmm. that they're doing if if you're top level athlete i think that becomes it's easier to do it by feel because you you know your body you're in tune i know like it seems to be the amateur athletes that you know the weekend warriors that are always kind of pushing themselves like every workout needs to be 110 percent. everything needs Mm -hmm. to you you need to be going to failure on everything and that's what really you know that's what really grinds you into the into dust and, mm-hmm. and screws you up long term. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to hear that they're kind of getting because almost every sport seems like it's going far more technological. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to hear that they're 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 going the other way on that. Yeah, and it's it's being driven by you know a handful of coaches that mm-hmm. just that's their philosophy, and they're getting the results. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. so so more athletes are kind of adopting their philosophy, right? right. It's kind of well, you know that you know so and so trains with Joel and so and so trains with the. Um, um, with John Owen stuff and they're getting results so right. it must be working yeah. so let's let's start you know yeah. adopting that kind of stuff what's the um, what's the general demeanor of the average triathlete you know? <laughs> every, every sport seems to have its own sort of stereotypical athlete what's what's the demeanor of a triathlete can I take a stab at this one <laughs> no uh, I'm, I'm going to play somebody. the newbie That's... card on this one <laughs> 
No, but you might have the best perspective yeah, on that yeah. if you're the newbie. I don't think I've met... I think after this year's event, I'll have a good perspective. But, mm. um, yeah, honestly, I don't think I can comment. I think you would be... Yeah, okay, how about, how about this, if you can't comment <laughs> on that? What's the difference in demeanors between nationalities, right? So, for oh, example, yeah. Canadian hockey players kind of have that, like, you know, humble sort of, like, just good small town guy or girl mm. attitude right whereas american russians tend to be more boastful and and celebratory yeah. and and enigmatic if you will yeah. americans are kind of somewhere in between and then all the scandinavians are just polite and <laughs> super friendly <laughs> yeah well i think so triathletes um one thing that always struck me about triathlon when i worked for the federation for many years was that you know the amount of Triathlete, professional triathletes that have you know a post-secondary education mm-hmm. is amazing they're very well educated group um you know back back there was a time where you know the top two athletes in the world were doctors mm. and you know they were trained physicians how, and they were, well, yeah. how do you have the time for that <laughs> i think maybe some type a personalities in there too yeah um but they were, and they were very, very engaged, you know, asking questions, you know, always pushing things, you know, pushing the system and not really just sort of sitting back. And I think triathletes to this day, if I had to put sort of a, a, a you know, um, a type on triathlete yeah. characteristic is that very um, well-educated and informed, mm-hmm. uh, definitely type A personalities, very driven. Right. That's how they wake up at four o'clock in the morning every day and, you know, get two hours of workout in before going to work. Right. Um, and <laughs> tired, constantly, <laughs> constantly tired, caffeine addicted, caffeine addicted, you know, they love their coffee. Um, they eat like mounds of food, like some of these professional athletes, I mean, they, they consume six to 8,000 calories a day just to maintain their base weight. Unreal. And I mean, they're, they're tiny. Yeah. I mean, they look like on TV, you know, they're very muscular and very, their physique, you know, mm-hmm. 3% body fat yeah. and, you know, they're running along. And it's the same thing with marathon runners. Mm-hmm. The first major, you know, marathon event I did, I was shocked at how petite the lead athletes yeah. were. Yeah. You know, and triathletes mm-hmm. are the same way. You know, the average triathlete's five six, five seven. Yeah. You know, a buck ten, yeah. maybe one twenty five. Really, that, they're like jockeys. They are like they're they're very slight, <laughs> um, and you know, it just it's that it's that sort of weight to work ratio mm-hmm. that you know the less then there's nothing there's no wasted anything on them maximally mm-hmm. efficient maximally yeah. efficient yeah. exactly to me it seems like you'd have to have a pretty competitive type a personality to even get into it like most sports you grow up playing as a kid you get the kids who work really hard but then you get mm-hmm. the kids who are just naturally gifted at it mm-hmm. you don't really need to work hard mm-hmm. and they do really well like mm-hmm. coming up and, and not you know they don't often make it to the top ranks mm-hmm. yeah. but but there's no like natural skill in triathlon, right? Like yeah, it's, it's just like you could be like physically gifted, but you have to mm-hmm. work your ass off because it's not someone else is going to beat you otherwise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's I I coached um, youth triathletes for a while, and it was funny. And I coached with my son for hockey and soccer, so it's not the hardest. The hardest part for the young triathletes was trying to get them not to train. Mm. All they wanted to do was train. Mm-hmm. They wanted to swim, bike, run every single day. You know, mm-hmm. they wanted to go for two-hour runs at like 15, 16, and then come to a hard, you know, track workout. Right. And the hardest part was getting them not to train. For sure. Where, conversely, with my son and my daughters at the younger age in soccer and those kind of things, the hardest thing is sometimes getting them to practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, you need to work on this, so head out on the driveway, such yeah. with triathletes. And it's the same with elite. I mean, overtraining and injury is... is um, you know, it's rampant within the sport because they just train. They train, train. Yeah. That's all they want to do is train, yeah. train, 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 train all day, mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. And it's the, you got to hold them back for maximal performance, right? What's the, uh, what's the relationship like between the athletes? Are there rivalries, well-established rivalries? Are there, is there ever any tension? or? Uh, I think for, like any sport there is. Yeah. Um, I think what's unique, what, 
triathlete there's so many couples and like married individuals in sort of right. the group that of makes triathletes because yeah. they spend so much time, time together. Yeah. yeah i mean the, the the group of you know your top 20 25 athletes mm-hmm. are spending half of the year together right some of them more if they train together so they might start off strangers and end up married over the course yeah of the and it's the in hamburg just in germany just a couple of weeks ago you know a, a really odd site well a unique site was you know the top four men came across the line all from different countries and they all like embraced each other and hugged mm-hmm. and it's because you know the first from france australia belgium and spain the top four men all trained together oh, okay. and lived together and okay. had, like they're mm-hmm. best friends yeah and so even though on like on during the race you know it's yeah. like oh spain versus france who's yeah. gonna come yeah. out and you know the oh did you see that look he, right. he gave to mola it's like oh that's incredible <laughs> then they come across the finish line and you know they're best friends yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's something that cool. is really cool about triathlon mm-hmm. and really unique. And, you know, when they, when this week when they start arriving, you know, you'll see these different countries biking together, yeah. swimming together, having dinner together, breakfast, they're yeah. hanging out. And that's really cool. Like, it's like a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be interesting to follow those relationships over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. There's a really great um, series on Netflix right now called F1, Drive to Survive. And it oh, follows yeah, yeah. Formula One through the course mm-hmm. of the season. And, like, totally behind the scenes of everything, all the team meetings, you see all the interplay between, like, not only between the teams, but between teammates on a particular team, because mm-hmm. most teams have two racers. Yeah. So you see, like, they're racing for the same team, but mm-hmm. you're still racing for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's just all these rivalries and, and, and you know, different... Yeah, it was a cool dynamic mm-hmm. to see that. Yeah. So I, I, I would love to, if, if they could ever do something like that over the mm-hmm. course of a triathlon series. Yeah, it'd be cool. I think people would be envious to watch. Like, triathletes follow summer. Yeah. <laughs> they go around in the winter <laughs> oh, yeah. time they're on the beach yeah. they just follow summer and it's you know they go to these exotic places mm-hmm. to train and race and you know they visit you know 10 to 15 countries a year um, over and over again I think people a lot, a lot of people would be very envious mm-hmm. of sort of the lifestyle but then you talk to them and you know they're tired yeah, it's the, yeah. I gotta get on another plane oh, for sure. I gotta pack yeah. my bike again yeah Everything and, seems glamorous from the other side, yeah. right? But it's there's very few things that actually are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are you guys most excited for in the next few days? Like, I know, obviously, the event, but anything in particular, one thing that stands out above the rest? Um, I just think because we've added a few new components to the overall kind of package that we're presenting in terms of, you know, we've got something really for everybody Mm. and starting on the Wednesday I'm just and because I'm you know six months in I'm really excited just to see how it's all gonna kind of shake down and um I love how ambitious we are in terms of like we have so many ideas and then um we have such great staff that are able put to put these ideas um kind of into execution and successfully so to see it all mm-hmm. kind of come together especially for me in such a short period of time over six months like it's unreal right um so i'm really excited to see yeah how even triathlon together how you know seeing um these non-elite triathletes and they're probably new to the sport in a lot of ways kind of just see them kind of come across the line and and compete in their first you know triathlon what that's going to be like um to see the tri fitness challenge getting a community together um and all working for one common goal to kind of get people out down to the park engaging mm-hmm. in activities i think that's going to be really interesting and cool yeah i think um just the whole the whole week yeah. is going to be exciting from mm-hmm. my perspective because mm-hmm. i'm new so <laughs> yeah it's and I've been before in the old role, but not from not getting this lens on everything. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it'll be great. Mm-hmm. Steven, is this your first one as GM? Uh, is this your second one? Second one as GM. Second one as GM. I was new to the role last year. Yeah, okay. And then this is my second one as GM. So, that's the... I, I'm looking forward to uh, the elite races. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically, I'm looking forward to the Canadians. Yeah. I just... There's something about being down in the park, um, watching the race, and just when, you know, the energy of the crowd mm-hmm. and the spectators, when those Canadians, you know, come out of the swim, or mm-hmm. if they're in on the bike, or mm-hmm. if they're running towards the finish line. I was in Montreal a few weeks ago, 
and watch Tyler get his bronze medal. Mm-hmm. And it, my voice was hoarse for like a day after. <laughs> just like shouting at him from the from the sidelines, just yeah. like, come on, Tyler, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a great, and that's that's what I love is that you know, you know, Edmonton's great at supporting athletes, and you know when the first athletes come out of the water mm-hmm. and so on and so forth, and you know, yeah, yeah, we go. And, but then when like here comes Tyler Mislachuk from Canada, and the yeah. whole crowd just erupts, mm-hmm. and you know people are waving Canadian flags and they're mm-hmm. banging on the side fence and stuff. That's what really I'm really excited about that, and it gets like it just gives me chills, and you know it's it's so great for Edmonton to showcase itself like yeah. that. Because that's what's shown around the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I get emails. Last year after the event, I got emails from people in Australia and UK. It's like, oh, I saw the event on TV. It was great. You know, on BBC. And mm-hmm. it was awesome. Edmonton looked so great. Yeah. And, you know, the event looked great. And good job. And, you know, mm-hmm. well done. And so that's, yeah, that's what I'm most excited for. So our guy Tyler, he's ranked 17th right now. What's he got to do to jump up a few spots or two. <laughs> yeah, it's he so Tyler um he he's had some really good races uh this year and he's had some bad races. Mm-hmm. I think he needs a little bit more consistency, mm-hmm. which he's trying to find. He's a young guy, he's had some problems with training in the past. But he had his breakthrough in Montreal mm-hmm. and I think he loves racing hometown. Uh like he was in tears after his bronze. Uh he was celebrating more than the winner was in Montreal <laughs> uh, with his bronze because he was so excited I think in Edmonton Edmonton he was even more so almost his second home he's from yeah. Winnipeg originally but okay. uh, his parents come out to watch him every year in Edmonton when they're racing here and his parents will be here mm-hmm. uh, so I think I'd love to see Tyler on the podium yeah. that yeah. podium would jump him up into top 10 wow. which would put him in a great spot for the mm-hmm. grand final this year very good what about our, our girl Joanna She's she's a lot higher, isn't she? She she's is. Good. Joanna's not racing. Unfortunately. Oh, not, what happened? She yeah, she's in um, Europe uh, at an altitude training camp. That she needs she needs the recovery and she needs to get ready. She so the the way it works is um, in mid August there's a test event in Tokyo. So on the actual Tokyo Olympic course mm-hmm. and so on. And a lot of the a lot of the countries are using it as a selector for the teams for Tokyo. I mean, for it makes sense if you mm-hmm. can do well on the course and do well in the heat and at the same time of year, then you'll yeah. do well next year. Yeah. Uh, and so Joanne is high enough ranked because um, she's so highly ranked that she has an opportunity in Tokyo to get her spot. Oh, okay. And not have to worry about it for a year, okay. which would be amazing for her not to have to worry about chasing points and qualification right. yeah. stuff. She just has her spot on the start yeah. line in, yeah. in Tokyo 2020. Okay. So, um, because of her training schedule and, you know, she's trying to get over a few things, she decided to, to skip Edmonton yeah. and get ready for that event. Oh, fair enough. You can't blame her for that. No, no, you can't blame her for that. It's the, it's hard because, I mean, as an event organizer, yeah. you want your athletes yeah. there. I mean, that's why we do this. Of I mean, we're a non-profit local organizing committee. We're yeah. not in this to make money. We're in this to put on an event for our athletes. Yeah. Um, so you want your best athletes there. Uh, and so it's a little bit... <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Joanna. Damn you, Joanna. <laughs> Damn you, Joanna. You'll be but hearing from us. I completely us. understand. Yeah. I ran into her in Montreal and she explained the whole thing. And you can't yeah. fault her. I mean, this, yeah. is, this is for her. Again, we do this for the athletes. Mm-hmm. And what's best for her, if she can earn her spot. Yeah. No, that's months, totally makes sense. In a few weeks mm-hmm. in Tokyo, then it'll, it'll put her, set her up really yeah. well for 2020. But jo- Joanna, you always say gold in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's, what, that's the deal that you get. I like that. <clears throat> Tiger, uh, too. Tiger, yeah. you can do a gold in yeah. 2020 yeah. as well. So if you um, if you ran into someone on the elevator and they're asking you what you did and you're telling them they, about the event coming up this weekend, <clears throat> excuse me, what would what would be your one kind of drive home line of why someone should come out to this event and check it out? Well, honestly, it's it's free, and so you get to come down <laughs> to the park, beautiful setting, a river valley like none other really in the world, and. Uh, it's a free event where you get to watch like elite level, the best of the best in the world mm-hmm. compete in a triathlon. You get to watch those weekend warriors compete in the age group. You get to take your kids down and try various fitness activities. Um, you get to be outside on a beautiful summer day. Fingers crossed, beautiful summer day. Um, so there really is so much to do. You're watching a world-class event um, in the heart of a river valley in a beautiful city like Edmonton. Uh, for free with your family and cheering on world champion and Olympic athletes and as Stephen said Canadian athletes so 
it's a no-brainer, really. It's to me, no-brainer. it's just a no-brainer, yeah. Yeah. Stephen, yeah. what say you? What say I? Um, I would, I would probably, you know, say this, th- this event in Edmonton. It's one of the only opportunities Edmonton has to show itself to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in in this year, I think it's one of only two events that's internationally televised. So this is, this is our chance, Edmonton, mm-hmm. to show what we're made of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know we have great community. We know we have great sports fans. That's what we are. We're a sports community. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just show the world what we can do. Let's paint our faces, put the tattoos on, bring down the Canadian flags, bring out the mm-hmm. big like kazoo horns, and yeah. just let's just show the world what we're made of. Um, yeah. We can really make a great impression, and I think I think um, you know Edmonton needs to come down and check it out. Mm-hmm. Call to action. I like it. So, um, where can people go to find sort of the specifics, the schedule, parking, uh, shuttle information, all that stuff? Is that available online somewhere? Absolutely. So, on our website, we uh, have a very comprehensive website, and actually, we have a detailed, animated, almost um, map and information on how to use the shuttle service, which is even more simplified this year, actually, Good. than other years, okay. which makes it really easy. Um, so they can head to edmonton.triathlon.org mm-hmm. and everything will be on their schedule of events, parking, shuttle information, all of that. Perfect. And are you guys doing like a Twitter, Instagram account, stuff like that? Yes. What can you find that was at? Um, so WTS Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And yeah, on all of the above, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Perfect. Mm-hmm. We'll drive people there. I'll link it all in the episode notes. Um, guys, anything else you want to say about the event? <clears throat> but if not, I appreciate you guys coming here. I started fighting something today. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. No, that's it. That's Thank you very much. Yeah. For your time as always you. and your help. And, yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate it. Look forward. I might actually be able to come out to the event this year because I'm oh, going to be here. So uh, yeah, look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Let us know when yeah, you come down. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, Last thing for today, ATB knows that being an entrepreneur and a business owner has its challenges, including finding time to get the help you need. So that's why they've created their entrepreneur centers, which are now coming to a community near you. With new pop-up locations each month, ATB is bringing their 360-degree entrepreneur support services to you. So, whether you're dreaming, building, or growing, you can access a powerful set of tools to help your business and personal finances grow together. Visit atbentrepreneurcenter.com to find out where they are popping up. I know we've used their services for some of our films, so I highly suggest giving them a shot. That's all for this week. We'll see you next time.